0: the truth news network virus race war lockdown mask orders multiple states still under emergency orders one just extended another 90 days that's through the election my friends think about that and you you're the mushroom here kept in the dark and fed well welcome to reality the truth is here TNN, the Truth News Network,
1: and your host, Dan Newman. That's one reason why I can't bear to eat mushrooms, because they're fertilized with, um, with poop. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's a great way to start your morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live, our Thursday edition. We have many things to weigh in for you today, but first of all, let me just say this. As a South Louisiana native, Growing up, our family, my family, when I was a kid, we rode through. We never one time left Lafayette, Louisiana in fear of a hurricane that came through. And we had a bunch of them. We had Hurricane Carla, Hilda, Betsy, and of course, Andrew, way back whenever it went through Florida, devastated South Florida. There were a lot of hurricanes in those days. We never got beaten up. Our home never got beaten up. We had a lot of water. And I got to be honest with you, living through five or six major hurricanes, I mean firsthand with the eye of the storm coming through or close to Lafayette, Louisiana, where I was raised, we saw a lot. The worst part of a hurricane is not the wind. Wind is bad, but really bad wind is temporary. Water, on the other hand, flooding in the aftermath, is the worst part of a hurricane and also the worst part of recovery after a hurricane blows through. Ian, this particular one that is still devastating parts of Florida, the worst part of it is flooding. Now, experts had warned us about Tampa. Tampa, about 70 years ago, experienced a direct hit by a hurricane. I forget the name of it. Obviously, I wasn't around then, but nevertheless, the worst part of it was flooding, and the way Tampa Bay works, if you're familiar with it, Tampa and St. Pete, there are two big long bridges that connect the two, and in between it, obviously, is Gulf of Mexico water. When a direct hit happens in Tampa, when the hurricane first shows up, it sucks all of the water out of Tampa Bay, literally. I mean, you can see the bottom when the water is gone. Unfortunately, the water comes back with a vengeance at some point after that part of the hurricane moves through and the backside of it shows up. So there were very fearful people about Tampa getting flooded. Downtown Tampa is right there on the water. But Tampa missed a hit. It actually came ashore between Tampa and Naples, Florida. Sarasota's there, Bradenton's there. And uh, my best friend lives in Bradenton, Florida. He's safe. He and his family are safe. But it's not over. It's not over. Expectations are for some cities in Central and Northeast Florida to get 20 to 30 inches of rain during the day today what's interesting to me most about this, having been through a lot of hurricanes, is how the media is framing this thing that's happening down there. And when I say how they're framing it, I know it probably won't surprise you, but left, left stream media, they're going absolutely berserk about this hurricane. And they're trying their darndest to get it framed within a a narrative of climate change. Of course, climate change is involved in everything. But it's because of climate change that Florida's experiencing Ian. And it's because of Governor Ron DeSantis that Florida is experiencing Ian. After all, he is a racist. And because he's a racist, bad things happen to racists. If you don't believe any of what I just told you, LET'S LISTEN TO THEM. THIS
2: IS A FOX NEWS ALERT. HURRICANE IAN, AS WE HAVE TOLD YOU, HAS CRUSHED THE STATE OF FLORIDA. MORE THAN A MILLION PEOPLE HAVE NO POWER. THIS IS A CATASTROPHE. IT'S A NATIONAL DISASTER. PEOPLE WILL CERTAINLY BE KILLED BECAUSE OF IT. AND UNDER CIRCUMSTANCES LIKE THAT, DECENT PEOPLE PUT POLITICS ASIDE FOR A MOMENT BECAUSE THEY'RE NOT ghouls. THEY REALIZE SOME THINGS, LIKE LIFE AND DEATH, ARE MORE IMPORTANT THAN POLITICS. THEY DON'T GIVE POLITICAL SERMONS AT FUNERALS, FOR EXAMPLE. But on MSNBC, there's no reason to abide by the basic standards of decency. So today, that channel invited former Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill to deliver a sermon to everyone stuck without power in Florida facing death. And that message was, stop complaining about Joe Biden, serfs.
3: When it's all over, I I hope some of those Floridians who hate the federal government remember that the federal government is there for them at a time of disaster.
2: Absolutely. Can you imagine lecturing people who are cowering in their houses, trying not to get killed? No decency, no shame. None of them have any shame or any decency. Over at CNN, Don Lemon repeatedly tried to link the hurricane to climate change. It's the first hurricane ever. And that's when his guest, Jamie Rome, shut him down because unlike Don Lamon, Jamie Rome knows what he's talking about, he's the director of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Hurricane Center. Watch this exchange. Can you tell us what this is and what effect
4: the climate change has on this phenomenon?
5: Well, We can come back and talk about climate change at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. Listen, I'm just
4: trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question.
5: I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. On the
4: okay, well, they, uh, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int- intensify.
2: How can I help the Democratic Party in the middle of a humanitarian disaster? Most people don't think that way. But Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota certainly does. She announced on television that only if we had given her a lot more power, hurricanes wouldn't happen because it turns out that Amy Klobuchar and her friends control the weather if only you vote for them. We
4: just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we've got to win this as that hurricane bears down on Florida. We got to win in the
2: midterms. So that's someone you would not hire as your executive assistant because she's too incompetent. No one wants to work for her because she screams at her staff. And yet that person is claiming supernatural powers. If you just give me more power, I can control the weather. And she's saying this as people are literally dying. So we thought, well, it might be worth finding out how this works. So we called Amy Klobuchar's office today and asked her to come on to explain specifically how she would have taken control of the weather and prevented Hurricane Ian. How would you have done it? Here's full power, full funding, Amy Klobuchar. Tell us how you would have stopped the hurricane. Weirdly, she didn't respond, but she's always welcome on this show to tell us how she's in charge of the weather. What do you think, You're God or something? This is these
1: people i got to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative, but I look at people in the Democrat Party at a time like this. I mean, there's one golden rule in real journalism. You don't try to politicize when something bad happens. You want to just identify with those that are going through the bad thing and then later come full circle if you want to. And try to turn it into politicization, which the left always does. But you just heard Don Lemon, Don Lamon, whatever he, he goes by at this particular moment in time. You heard him fight, really fight with an expert, a weather expert, talking about we've got to make this, Ian, we got to make it about climate change. Because that fits into our political narrative. Listen, Don Lamont said, I'm from Florida, so I know hurricanes. I'm from South Louisiana. I know hurricanes. I can tell you this. Hurricanes don't listen to or take orders from political climate change activists. They actually, they being the Democrats, the last 48 hours, they have actually tried to portray that if we would only go all in for climate change, all in, we could control hurricanes. And it's because of evil people like Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, that we can't do that. And basically, and I'm paraphrasing what they were saying and thinking when they said it, basically what they're saying is Ron DeSantis is evil. He's a Republican. His, his state deserves everything bad that's happening. Why? Why? because he won't bow at the climate change altar. Let me just tell you this. Look back in your life over the last three years. We haven't had any hurricanes. Yeah, we've had a few. Nothing serious. And this is, now we're in September, almost October. This is the first hurricane that's done anything to the United States. And the damage is significant. I don't want to minimize the damage that this hurricane is, is still doing to the state of Florida. And it's going to affect Georgia, South Carolina, even North Carolina. I mean, it's a bad dude. And the biggest, worst thing about it is water. Jacksonville, Florida is projected to get two feet of rain today. Now you think about that. Think about how deep two feet is. I watched some of the pictures early this morning, some of the video early this morning, places that I'm very familiar with in Florida where I can't even imagine the city streets having very much water in them, but I watched pictures of downtown Naples, uh, downtown St. Petersburg, pictures of people, not pictures, but video of people being helped as they walk through city streets, water chest high. That's a really big deal. But let me tell you the difference between people like Ron DeSantis and let's say oh Gavin Newsom out in California. The big difference is when there is trouble, they just take on the trouble. And they figure out in advance most of the time how to handle the trouble the best way that it will impact the people that they they are serving as governors. Gavin Newsom throws his hands up. He blames everybody and everything that he possibly can. You know what DeSantis has done? Last night at midnight, two and a half half million Floridians had no power. By the time the sun came up this morning, that number was down to a million. Florida power and light thanks to them. Communication is really, really bad in a storm. You know that. Electricity goes out. Cell phones go out. Ron DeSantis ordered, and they had ready to go last night, 120 portable cell towers that have their own generators. And by noon today, most of them will be in place around the areas that lost communication ability. You know, the left can do what they want to do, point fingers and blame and scream and holler. Facts and substance always come through. And the American people see and know that. The people of Florida see and know that. And government does not have all our answers, regardless of the fact that we listen to these politicians all the time. And they, almost without exception... When they start giving us a speech and telling us about something, there's a paragraph, a disclaimer that they should put in the front of it if they're a Democrat, every one of them, you must listen to me because I'm in the party that controls the entire federal government. That means we know everything. You elected us because you believe we know everything, and so you can just sit down Watch and listen to what we do, because we've got all the answers. And by the way, because we are who we are, you need to voluntarily give us more of your tax revenue and let us spend it on you, because we know what's best for you. When you see Ron DeSantis, what does he do? He looks at a problem, figures out what is the best way to solve that problem for the people he serves, and he puts all the people... And the infrastructure in place to take care of it. And he doesn't scream and holler. He doesn't point fingers. And he certainly doesn't try to weaponize, for political purposes, a natural disaster like this. Now, let me tell you how big a disaster it looks like this is going to be. Lee County, Florida. Know it well. Know it well. That's on the southwest side. Naples is part of it. Uh, Carl Carl Cove is the biggest city in Lee County. The sheriff of Lee County, at about 6:30 a.m. this morning, Central Time, I was coming back from a prayer meeting. Listening, they had the sheriff of Lee County on. They talked to him about fatalities. What was expected in Lee County? Listen to what he said. He said, "I don't know the number, but we're expecting." body count to be in the hundreds. In the hundreds. Now, if you are a person that you're so crass and you hear a sheriff say that, that a hundred plus people are likely going to or already lost their lives because of this hurricane and you want to turn it into political fodder to use against the governor of Florida, That speaks very loudly about who you are. Not what kind of person you are, but who you are. Just remember this, and I'm speaking to the choir because people that are part of Truth News Network and TNN Live, you're honest, you're a truth seeker, you find the truth, you embrace it, and you put the crap to the side. So I'm speaking to the choir when I say this. The Bible says from the abundance of the heart, our mouths speak. In other words, what we say is actually coming from our hearts. In other words, we speak what we think. And sometimes we try to give a disclaimer that says, no, I really don't feel that way. I just said that it's emotion, yada, yada, yada. We give excuses. Bible says, We all speak out of our hearts. So listen to what people say when you're trying to figure out who they are, what they believe, what kind of person they are. Listen to them when they speak because you're going to hear it. You're going to see it. And they won't have to tell you, I'm conservative, I'm progressive, uh, I'm uh, whatever they want to label themselves as. If you listen to them long enough, you're going to know who they are just by what they say. Our prayers go out, literally, our prayers go out to the people of Florida, people in Georgia, because this thing is, this hurricane it's going to go offshore from Jacksonville in extreme northeast Florida, go out into the ocean. What happens to a hurricane if it goes over land and goes back to the ocean? You know what it does, picks up strength, wind speed, Projections are that it'll be down to about 60 miles an hour at the center of the hurricane and about the time it takes eastward move out of Jacksonville out into the Atlantic Ocean. And it's projected that it's going to get back to hurricane strength, which is a minimum of 75 miles an hour before it makes a left turn and comes back in over Savannah, Georgia. Now, that's a big deal for me. We have very close relatives that live in Savannah. i got to be honest with you, I've seen a lot of hurricanes, but I've never seen one that looks like it has its own mind, as does Ian. That's kind of spooky to think of. But back to where I was. Hey, when somebody says something ugly to you about anything about Floridians, any Floridian, just look at them, but make sure you let them know they're wrong. They don't have the right to denigrate anybody, period. What in the heck could Ron DeSantis do in the way of prevention of this hurricane? You can't do it. You prepare for the aftermath, for the people you serve, whatever they're going to need when this thing makes its way wherever it's going to go. That's leadership. Leadership is not doing everything that needs to be done. Leadership is about having all of the stuff, and stuff in this case means people, have them all in place so that when this thing comes to pass, which is a hurricane coming into your town, leaving your town, when it leaves your town and you're going to have issues, having everything in place to take immediate actions to resolve the stuff. It goes along with this. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And sometimes when these things happen, there is no plausible explanation for the reasoning. But that doesn't mean that every time something bad happens, we got to go find somebody on which to place the blame. That's called elitism. That's called fascism. That's called Democrat Party political partisanship. That's what it's called. They have no exclusive on it, believe me. But when the chips are down, people show who they really are. And in this case, i got to be honest with you. People out there, Democrat Party, when they feel like they are on the backs of people that are really suffering, just think about it. A hundred plus people, according to the Lee County Sheriff, Probably have lost their lives in his pair, uh, county. I haven't seen that happen in a really long time. Now, I'm in Louisiana. August 25th, 2005, Katrina hit New Orleans. More than a thousand people died. And of course, when something big like that happens, what do the people around do? They look at leadership, they blame the leadership. Our governor, when Katrina hit here, she was she was a governor, a female, and boy, she just got blasted. All those thousand plus that died in the New Orleans area, oh, she was at fault, Kathleen Blanco. It was her. She called the hurricane god and said, "Hey, would you come down here and flood New Orleans and drown about a thousand of these people that don't like me?" I know that's ridiculous. But it's just the same thing. You just heard Don Lamont had an expert on weather on his show. Twice Lamont tried to make it the Hurricane Ian, make it a result of somebody in Florida who didn't listen to the climate change gods and began to talk about climate change from the leftist perspective. Now put that in context of what, we're really talking about here. They are saying, without coming out and saying it, with their actions in the context of what they're saying, these things. They're saying this. If you let us control the government, that means we're going to be in charge of, and we have the ability to change the weather. Let me ask you this. What specifics I'm talking about bullet points on a piece of paper, a plan. Have they given to the American people, they being the Democrats that are in charge? Did you get your manual, your climate change manual? Did you get your instruction manual that said, here's what you got to do if we're going to make climate change work and fix all the ills of America and we can do that. Here's how we do it. One, two, three, four, five. Have you seen that? No, what do they do? They make us give more of our tax dollars to climate change activists. Now, what do those climate change activists do? (laughs) Regarding climate change, they ain't doing anything because people can't control nature, period. They try to tell us again and again, and they split the expert, field of experts in climate. They, they split them right down the middle. Half of them believe climate change can be controlled. We can change the world. The other half say, there's no science that backs that up. If there is science that backs it up, would you show it to us? We're not stupid people. We make decisions based on facts. Give us some proof, and if the proof is there, we'll join in. They don't do that. They don't even attempt to do that. They don't want to talk about that. Why? In their world, all you have to do is flip a switch. And when you flip that switch, everything that the orange man put in place, which included... Closing the southern border, it included lower taxes. It included more revenue to the government, even though those on the left said, oh, if we reduce taxes, we won't have the money to pay all the people that are obliged to us. We won't be able to pay them off. They do anything and everything they can to denigrate everybody that thinks on any issue opposite of them. But all they can do is complain, and then, of course, when they have the power, they use it, and they use it to take your money and mine and spend it on climate change.
5: I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities.
2: Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals
5: The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY.
0: This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN. The Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And
1: Dan Newman. Here's the truth. Politico, that bastion of journalistic integrity. 48 hours ago, they published a hit piece on the popular Florida governor facing the challenge of a major hurricane hitting the state for the first time while he's been governor. Now think about that. He's been the governor for three years. There's been no major hurricane blast so far. Climate change activists don't want to talk about that. They are contending, those that are bashing DeSantis, and this is two days ago, saying that he still hasn't faced one of the toughest challenges a Florida leader can encounter, a hurricane. DeSantis faces the true test of of any Florida governor, Hurricane Ian, a 500-mile-wide monster of a storm, is building strength in the Gulf of Mexico and appears destined to slam into some portion of the state. A bunch of tweets came out just going after Politico. One guy named Dave Here's the media praying for Florida to get destroyed by a hurricane just so they can have something to make DeSantis look bad. Christine said, Florida has some of the world's best emergency management leadership and personnel. Governor DeSantis and his team are doing everything possible to ensure our state is prepared. Sorry to disappoint liberal media activists who are constantly cheering for the destruction of Florida. The Politico Politico hit piece, which identifies DeSantis as a likely 2024 presidential frontrunner, despite the fact he's dismissed all the rumors of a presidential bid, details this hit piece does the upcoming challenge of Hurricane Ian, that yesterday when the hit piece was written, it was barreling down on the Sunshine State, making a connection between the storm and how it's going to impact DeSantis in the upcoming midterm elections. Isn't it odd? Everything everything that comes up in the news it doesn't matter you got this this new female leader of the nation of Italy she's a young populist in the mode of populist Donald Trump back here a populist is somebody that pushes for the government to listen to and involve directly the people a populist and so what are what are the hardcore leftists doing over in Italy they're calling this new leader a Nazi, a Nazi sympathizer. Every time something like this happens, everybody on the left finds a way. We got to politicize it. We got we to gotta take this and put it in our quiver of other bullets and arrows that we have to shoot against our political opponents. Democrat Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber He's one of those who has accused the governor of Florida of of politicizing issues that were ironically politicized by members of his own party. From masks to vaccines, worries that all of this will impact an individual's ability to listen to local officials. I hope the divisiveness that has defined Florida and national politics Doesn't impact the ability of the people to follow the directions of their leaders, he said. Now, he's not talking about DeSantis. He's a Democrat. He's talking about people like him, Gelber, Mayor Gelber from Miami. Florida politicized vaccines and masks. And the results were tragic. We can't afford to make the same mistake again. This is crazy. He continued detailing how past Florida governors, from Jeb Bush to Senator Rick Scott, handled these natural disasters. Here's what he said. As storms approached, Scott would hold media events across the state, donning his trademark Blue Navy baseball hat. He also became a fixture on national television, including most notably on the Weather Channel. Scott appeared on every morning network show on the same day in the lead-up To Hurricane Irma, a massive storm that prompted the largest evacuation in state history back in 2017. On Monday morning, DeSantis Emergency Management Director Kevin Guthrie was a guest on the Weather Channel, but DeSantis has not yet made an appearance on the channel during the weather event. They're politicizing how many times the governor goes on television DeSantis has already held several press conferences on the storm. He didn't just lay down and do nothing. Let me tell you the difference between him and some of the other governors down there. It's the difference between people that really consider themselves public servants and those that consider themselves to be politically in charge. How Ron DeSantis has been handling and is handling Florida. Florida and governing the people of Florida is an illustration of the difference. Somebody that gets their hands dirty, that gets down in the dirt, and in this case, gets down in the water with the people, rather than pontificate on a television news interview, spending their time doing that holding press conferences. The difference is one of those people is a leader a real leader that's not afraid of getting their hands dirty or getting involved. The other one would rather is so self-absorbed, they think the answer to this is for me to stay way up here above the people, above the fray, and just tell them, here's what you got to do. I'm the governor. I'm the leader. I know everything. Listen to me. DeSantis said Tuesday, He had activated 5,000 National Guardsmen, 2,000 additional from other states ready to come and get after it. Yesterday, he revealed there are over 30,000 linemen prepared to restore power. We told you, Florida Power and Light, last night at midnight, 2.5 million Floridians had no electricity. That number was down at 5 o'clock this morning, 500,000 had power restored during the night. That's leadership. We have three additional teams on standby ready to deploy, Santa said. Our Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission has officers placed in every county in anticipation of heavy rains and flooding. You'll see heavy rains in parts of the state that aren't necessarily on Florida's Gulf Coast, he said talking about other preparations, including high-water vehicles, shallow-draft boats that are ready for immediate deployment to the affected areas. When those two hurricanes two years ago hit Lake Charles, Louisiana, in less than a month apart, direct hits, southwest Louisiana was obliterated. It took months and months, not because... They hadn't been through hurricanes before, but because our Democrat governor didn't do a DeSantis job in preparation. It did get fixed over a period of time there, but you know who fixed it? The people of that area, the people of Southwest Louisiana. Louisiana's government didn't step up and didn't do what DeSantis is done and is doing He did it in preparation for Ian, and now, already, they're working to fix it. If you weren't here at the top of the show, he's got 120 temporary cell towers that by the end of the day today will be in place in parts of Florida where they have lost electricity. Obviously, your cell phone won't work if the cell tower's not powered up. And these temporary cell towers have generators so they can operate without the regular form of electricity. That's leadership. I don't care what you think about Ron DeSantis personally. I've never met the man. I like the way he governs. I like the way he speaks matter-of-factly rather than dancing around issues and pontificating and always finding a political way to talk about stuff. He just wades right into the middle of it. and He just says what it is. Let me illustrate the difference. We talked about DeSantis. What about the big-time media guys and gals? And I'm not being politically correct, and I'm mislabeling somebody, but I just can't figure it out. During the middle of a show, when I'm talking, I'm going to say something that's not politically correct, especially gender speaking. MSNBC anchor Joy Reid, she said yesterday afternoon on her show, The Readout, Global warming is feeding beast storms like Hurricane Eden Ian. <laughs> and I'm laughing. I'm laughing because this woman, she feels like she is intelligent, she's knowledgeable. She doesn't have any education in weather or in science. So where in God's name could she honestly, legitimately believe and know for a fact? that global warming is feeding beast storms like Hurricane Ian. Here's what she said. There's a lot that has changed about the Earth that has made these things worse, right? Think about that. That's a blanket statement that she made. There is a lot that has changed about the Earth that has made these things worse, right? Okay, I'll respond. Joy, hey, I didn't know that. Wow, you've enlightened me. Would you mind to tell me what those lot of things have changed about the earth that has made these things worse? Tell me what you found out and how you found out and what it is. And give me, by the way, the scientific foundation for you to legitimately say that. Of course, it's not going to happen because she doesn't know. And there's not a scientist on earth that can tell you actually this is because of this. That's what science is. It's looking for answers. But she's on MSNBC. There's nothing scientific there. And she continued. She said, these things are thriving because the water is getting warmer. Oh, we stopped calling it global warming for political reason. But that's what it is. It's because the water's getting warm. Our earth is getting warmer. There's just no doubt left that it's feeding these beasts." Well, reporter Ali Felshi said, people say there have been hurricanes for millennia. Well, that is true, but sometimes we get ones that are so much more damaging and so much more intense. And he added, on one hand, you have more intense storms because of warm weather and the patterns that cause these storms to form. And then you got greater damage because we've got a rising water level. It's good we talk about these things in the moment because lots of times over the years when I brought it up, people say now is not the time to talk about it. Now is the time because people are paying attention to how damaging these things are. So again, they tell us, we, if you elect us and put us back in power, We can fix all of this. Why? Because all of the minions that operate the climate change industry, they answer to us. We'll fix it. Just put us back in power. We're in power on all three branches of government today. Make sure we keep that in place. We're going to take care of you. By the way, all those millions of illegals that we're letting in, that we don't have a clue who they are, what they did, or what they're going to do here, but because we're who we are, we'll make everything work. A million and a half without power in Florida, it went to two and a half million without power in Florida. Florida Power and Light says power restored to half a million residents by 6 a.m. this morning. We have just 1.1 million customers out right now. This is an hour ago. David Reuter, who is the Florida Power & Light CEO. But we've also been out and about throughout the storm where it's been safe to do so, restoring power during the night to our customers. We've already restored power to more than 500,000 of our customers this morning. He said their objective, Florida Power & Light, is to restore full power for all Florida Power and Light customers as soon as possible while still keeping the safety of workers and crew in mind. We understand that our customers require power. It's really important to get back to normal for them. And so we work really hard to make sure that we can do that safely, but obviously as quickly as possible. Reuter said he moved Now, this is Florida Power and Light, the guy there. He has moved more than 20,000 restoration workforces that were staged and still are across Florida with additional support from crews from over 30 states. He added efforts to install power lines underground to stop future outages have been underway for more than a decade. Two and a half million as of midnight last night, no power. He says he'll be down under a million by the end of the day today. You know what that's called? That's called leadership and it's called planning. And so what do the meteorologists say? Well, Hurricane Ian destroyed a section of the Sanibel Causeway that connects Sanibel Island and Captiva with mainland Florida, preventing all access for ground crews to get out there. Sanibel Island, it's a great place. I've been there many times. It's off the coast of southwest Florida. Um, I'm trying to think of, I guess, Fort Myers. It's right by Fort Myers. And it's a great place to go. I saw pictures of it. And normally, just so you understand, it is an island. And a lot of islands, especially down there in Florida, um, they'll have real estate developments and stuff, houses, gorgeous houses, and every, everybody has water access. They'll have water access to the Gulf, but in a lot of these residential areas, they have lakes in between in the middle of rows of houses. I looked at a, um, a air picture from the air this morning and compared it to a picture from the air two days ago. And two days ago, you could see it. There was gulf water and then rows of houses. And in between, they had these lakes. Um, and then another row of houses and a street. And same thing kind of happened. You could see it all. This morning, all you could see were tops of houses. So this is, this is really a bad deal. It really is. But I think the leadership of Florida is, they got this stuff taken care of. It's going to be interesting to watch how the left and the media handle how quickly things get back going (laughs) and how upset they're going to be because it's going to get back going because of leadership, because of people like um, Ron DeSantis, as a matter of fact. Hey, looking ahead in the show today, right after the break, we're going to go to now. Our president is back doing his stuff, and he's never really stopped. And speaking of leadership, in the case of traumatic weather events, our president has got some advice, and his advice is for people that are really right in the middle of what's going on now. In the recovery, of course, everybody's got to have power. Generators got to have something to run on. That means... You know, gasoline, cars to get out of places, get into places, gotta have gasoline. We had a storm, electricity's out. Service stations, struggling, don't have gas, don't have access to it. And Biden's leadership, he tells those evil gas station owners, don't raise your prices (laughs) just because it's a storm and you can take advantage people. That's his leadership message so far. Wow.
0: Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress
3: break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free.
4: You love chocolate. Mmm,
3: chocolate.
4: You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more.
3: Huh?
4: M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue.
3: My heroes!
4: M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
1: And if you are one of those who listen to the show, you may not very often go to the website www.truthnewsnet.org and see the stories that were published there. Steve Baker, you know the name, he is the, um, the photojournalist, investigative journalist. He's on our show every Tuesday. We do a segment in the second hour and he brings us latest kind of uh, controversial things going on in our government and gives us some explanations that we can't find other places. Well, as you heard day before yesterday, when he was on with us, he was headed to a trial of Oath Keepers, those January 6th Oath Keepers that a bunch of those people are in, in jail in Washington, D.C., have been in jail. And one guy last name Harrelson has been in jail now for 19 months. In Washington, D.C., his trial started this week. And um, Steve is involved in the trial. I won't get into the details. He's up there and he's going to be part of the whole proceeding. But a really cool thing happened yesterday. And Steve wrote today's story that's on the front page of truthnewsnet.org. I think you'll like it. And I encourage you to read it. We, every day this week, have had really important things to report there and when things get really controversial and so many things are happening in our lives at the exact same time look at what's happening around the world we have those two pipelines that have been so controversial that connect Russia with northern Europe and provide natural gas probably 80 percent of the natural gas that people in northern Europe use every day every year Both of those pipelines were blown up day before yesterday. That's a big deal. And also, what happened on the same day was a brand new pipeline opened up. How about that? Think there's any uh, connection there? Both of those pipelines were each blown up, of course, down on the ocean bottom, the Baltic Sea, way, way, way deep. And not just in one spot, in three identical spots. And those pipes don't run exactly side by side. So I guess maybe I'll be a conspirator here and tell you, somebody blew them up. And the experts that have examined what's happened up at the surface since these pipelines were blown up, you know what they said the power was, what it took to do what happened? to these two pipelines, 500 tons of TNT equivalent to do the damage that it did. And on the same day, a brand new pipeline from Norway to Germany under the Baltic Sea, it went into service. I'm a conspirator. (laughs) Somebody blew the two up. And they did it because they wanted to rub it in Vladimir Putin's face. And maybe, I don't know, I'm speculating, but maybe start something. Putin could start pointing fingers and be so hacked off that he, he pushed a, a red button or two and went after somebody that he thinks was responsible with a nuke or two. And I'm not laughing about that. I think it's definitely a possibility. Wow. We're watching that closely. A lot of other things happening around the world. Our vice president has been in Asia, and she just did a wonderful job representing her boss, Joe Biden, the president, and you and I, fellow Americans. And, of course, she went to South Korea. She went to Japan. She went to the Japanese leader's funeral. The one that died, he was killed, as a matter of fact. That's a a pretty spooky thing. Nobody's talking about what happened there. But anyway, she's over there representing us. And uh, she made some really big boo-boos. So if a week is a long time in politics, which it is, 24 hours can seem like an eternity, especially when a White House administration is confused by some basic, fundamental, historical facts your Vice President, Kamala Harris. She illustrated this really well yesterday when she ended her four-day trip to Asia with a journey to the demilitarized zone, DMZ, that divides the Korean Peninsula. That's North Korea and South Korea. During her stop there, she confused onlookers by asserting the United States has a strong alliance, her words, strong alliance, alliance with the Republic of North Korea. She said it. It's an alliance that is strong and enduring, she added, intending to refer to the Republic of Korea, which is South Korea's official name. This gaffe, it came barely 24 hours after Joe Biden was himself confounded with events when he mistakenly gave a White House shout-out to Representative Jackie Worlowski. Jackie Worlowski. Listen to the president himself. Now,
6: to why we're all here uh, for this uh, this historic day, Uh, the Secretary of Agriculture already said anything, so I'm leaving. (laughs) So I apologize you for any repetition that may occur here, but all kidding aside, uh, you know, uh, um, it's been over 50 years to state the obvious. You all know it well since President Nixon convened the original White House conference on hunger, nutrition and health. And the sing- this that single conference and the laws that it inspired and it inspired led to transformational change that has helped millions of Americans live healthier lives for generations. Since that time, advances in research and medicine have taught us so much more about nutrition and health. And today, I'm convening this conference again because I believe we can use these advances to do even more to make America stronger and a healthier nation. And so many of you know so much about this as well and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was was going to be here. To help make this a reality. And thanks to Senator Stabenow, Representative Deloro, for their leadership. And here today, uh, we have advocates and activists. uh, Jose Andres. you heard of him, haven't you? Last time we hung out on the Ukrainian border in Poland. Um, And leaders of business, labor, agriculture, faith, and philanthropy. And uh, to achieve ambitious goals that I know we can do if we work together. I really do know we can do this. End hunger in this country by the year 2030.
1: So you heard Joe there being just a really nice guy. I mean, he is Uncle Joe. That means he is sensitive to anybody and everybody. And so what he did, did you hear him say he was looking for Jackie, Representative Jackie? Well, Representative Jackie Orlowski, a Republican from Indiana, House of Representatives, she died in a tragic car accident in August. And honestly, honestly, he knew what he was talking about because he addressed her because they're good friends. They've been good friends for a long time. Joe Biden doesn't have a lot of Republican friends, but Jackie Orlowski was one of them he doesn't even remember that she died a month ago in a car accident. Now, I'm sorry, but that's not a simple gaffe. You just don't forget about a good friend that got killed in a tragic car accident 30 days ago. I'm just saying, there's a lot going on there that is not really, really good. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Kamala's up there, she's stoking Kim Jong-un saying they're great partners to us. North Korea is a great partner to the United States while the president is looking in the crowd for a good friend, a politician, a member of the U.S. House of Representatives that died a month ago in a car wreck. It's not funny, folks, but it's kind of like if you don't chuckle about it, you're going to cry because it is a really big deal. Our president, at best, is confused. At worst, he has cognitive decline that is of the major variety and is bordering on a potential diagnosis. He may already have it, and we just don't know about it about Alzheimer's. Now, I'm not talking out of turn. I know Alzheimer's. My mother had one of the worst cases of Alzheimer's and ended up dying in the middle of it that I've ever seen. The last year she was alive, she couldn't speak. She could barely eat for a full year. She squeaked and made these noises, but she never listened to or heard, it seems, what any of us would say, never reacted, responded to any of us for a year before she died. Now, I'm not saying Joe Biden has Alzheimer's. I'm saying I saw this in the early stages of my mother's case. We're dealing right now with a 97 year old mother in law, Marianne's mother, who is in the very beginning stages of it. It's horrible. It is horrible. It is, the, in my opinion, the worst disease there is. Why? Because the first thing Alzheimer does to everybody, it impacts, is it steals all of the personal relationships these people have. How? Because they forget who you are. They forget anything to do with you in the way of interactions with them. Marianne's mom right now, When Marianne and her sister walk into her room, she always cries. Anybody, when they walk in, she recognizes she always cries. And I think the reason she's crying, she doesn't know who they are, Marianne or her sister. But she knows she knows them. And I think she's crying because she feels horrible because she doesn't know who they are. That's what Alzheimer does. Now, how did I get on this? We got on it because Joe Biden, even if he doesn't have Alzheimer's, he's exhibiting what symptoms I know personally are the beginning stages of it. And he's leading the greatest country on the planet with all kinds of balls in the air that he's juggling, and he's incapable to juggle them. And he does not have people working with and for him. They haven't shown us if they do have the ability to step in and fill in the gaps and lead. They haven't showed us that. Look, don't think for a second that what you and I are seeing and that what our friends down at Sky News in Australia are reporting on every week, which is the latest gaffes of our president, don't think any of that is lost on people like Kim Jong-un in North Korea, on Vladimir Putin in Russia, On Xi Jinping in China, these are the leaders of nations that are our worst enemies. They're watching our president, who has lost much of his abilities to even communicate well, has very little of normal memory left. They see this as him being vulnerable, which makes the United States of America vulnerable. Now, I'm not talking about all-out war. But what I'm saying is they're already taking advantage of our president's cognitive disabilities. And they're making policy decisions for their countries, but not just for their country, for the world. And they're bringing other nations' leaders into Uh, some type of agreement or understanding that now's the time where America is weak. And they're moving in very slowly, but I guarantee you they're moving in and taking advantage of it. China is buying land in the United States by the acres, thousands of acres. How could that be allowed to happen? How could it? You can't go to China and buy a piece of ground. You can't. I'm involved in a a Chinese historical bond deal that a group of people out of South America, a big family, they own a bunch of Chinese legitimate Chinese bonds that were sold and issued by China's government to fund things back almost 100 years ago. And these bonds, these particular ones, they have something that ties them into the ability to be real in permanence. What I'm talking about, those bonds are secured by real estate. And the real estate in one of these bonds that I'm talking about, it is secured by the ground that the Chinese government the government buildings of the Chinese government itself rest on today in Beijing. They are recognized by the Chinese government as being legitimate and the Chinese government is doing their best to get these bonds back. I'm telling you that little story to illustrate it's a big deal owning land. Nobody and these people in South America, they own bonds that are secured by the ground in Beijing on which the government buildings of the Chinese Communist Party are put on, and they know that. They being the Chinese, they know that. It's interesting, isn't it, that this kind of stuff goes on, and on the most part, we don't even know about it. Speaking of some cognitive disability, right now, in just a few weeks, we're going to have a big Senate race or two or three or four U.S. Senate race around the nation. One of them is the campaign for the Pennsylvania senators race between John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. So you know who John Fetterman is. He's, he's a, he's a picture. I mean, a literal picture. He's six feet, eight inches tall. He's a big man. He's bald. Nothing wrong with being tall. Nothing wrong with being bald. I'm bald. My son is six feet, nine inches tall. Uh, Fetterman wears a goatee, and he dresses. He's the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania now. He dresses very interestingly. He hardly ever puts on a suit or a sport coat. He mostly dresses wearing a dark-colored hoodie. And sometimes he even puts the hood up on the hoodie, and when he walks in or walks down the street and looks at people... I got it it is the scary he's the scariest looking thing. He looks like a monster just because he's so big and he because of his size, he's foreboding to look at. I mean, he gets your attention. He had a stroke a couple of months ago. And as pretty much always happens when someone has a stroke, it impacts their cognitive ability because a stroke, what it happens, it's a blood situation. A um, a circulation issue in people's brains. The Senate campaign for him has removed a Black Lives Matter reference from his website, from the issues page. Now this run against Dr. Oz has been very controversial. One version of that web page that was archived on July fifteenth touted Fetterman's support for Black Lives Matter under a subheading that was entitled, What John Believes. Black Lives Matter. John served as mayor of a city that's more than 80% black and has championed the idea that Black Lives Matter since long before it became a hashtag. The reference to Black Lives Matter, they since removed it, obviously for political purposes. Fox Digital's Thomas Katnashie and Kyle Morris first reported about that on Wednesday. In a statement, the campaign's communication director, Joe Calvello, noted the website still makes a reference to Black Lives Matter through a personalized video from Fetterman that was added to the site in April. Archives indicate the now-missing reference was on the page as early as February 2021. The one section you seem to be referencing was removed when we updated and greatly expanded our issues page weeks ago, Cabello said. Voters deserve to know where we stand. We're proud that we spell out our platform clearly on our website. Fetterman is Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor. He is under fire for some of his past comments about voter ID requirements, how he believes such measures would disenfranchise poorer and minority voters in his state, Fetterman's remarks came during an interview with Brian Tyler Cohen in December of 2021 that got attention in a published article last month. In my own state, he said, they are going to pass, attempt to pass, a constitutional amendment making sure that universal voting ID for every time you vote, not just when you sign up to vote, but every time you vote because they understand at any given time there's tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians who typically are on the poorer side and are people of color that are less likely to have their ID at any one given time. They understand that could shave up to anywhere between 70 and 90,000 votes. Now, let me put in context what this guy said. We have on this show, we have played you interviews that have been made on the streets of cities in America where somebody walks up to African-American people on the street and just ask them about their thoughts on mandatory voter ID. Now, here's Fetterman, a big white guy, and he says that forcing people to have an ID to vote disenfranchises black people. In fact, he said tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians, and he says that having to have IDs for these poor, typically black people that between 70 and 90,000 of them won't be able to vote with not one exception, dozens of people that are just walked up to, they're not talked to first. They just walk up to them on the street, stick a microphone in front of them, a television camera in front of them and say, what do you think about mandatory voter ID? Every black person I have seen, no mask, says this. It's racist for anybody to say that black people don't have the ability or have voter ID. They think the fact that Fetterman would say that, that he is making a racist statement. It all goes back to this one thing. There is something about the left in which they show that they think they're better. They're better than anybody, but they're really better than black people and Latino people. But what they sell to those two communities, and have been very effective doing it for decades, they sell those people, look, we're the Democrats. We're the ones that give you the stuff that you want. We do far more than the Republican Party has ever done when they're in power. We give you all this money. We gave you welfare. We gave you food stamps. We gave you all kinds of subsidies. So, because we're doing that for you, that means you're obligated to us. That's the message that they have sold to people of color for decades. And in large, leaders in the color community, people of color community, leaders, what they get and use to sell their leadership. And I put the term leadership in this case in, per, in quotation marks because they're not leading. What they're doing is standing on the throats of these people and selling to them, we're Democrats. We know more than you do. We know what's best for you. We'll give you all this stuff. And we'll take care of you permanently. And all we want you to do is remember when it comes time to decide who's going to represent you in government, you remember what we've done. You owe us, you owe the Democrat Party your votes. Make sure on any issue, doesn't matter what comes up, state, local, federal, doesn't matter. You vote for whichever Democrat is on the ticket for that particular issue, or what Democrat cause is on the ticket. Millions of people of color have bought that line through the years. Fetterman is just another white government figure that's just towing the company line and saying what Democrats in leadership demand that every Democrat say and every Democrat believes. Computer, execute 12.4p operation.
0: Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha Oh. I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my.
6: Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water.
0: Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the truth news network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman.
1: I told you about the two pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and 2. They carry Russian gas between Russia and Northern Europe. They actually, um, pump all this gas to Germany and it's distributed around Europe. They were blown up mysteriously day before yesterday, speaking at a briefing with reporters on condition of anonymity. That's a striking thing in this to me because it's a Pentagon official. And he said, the jury is still out. His words, the jury is still out on what actually happened to the pipelines that carry that Russian natural gas to Germany. He said this many of our partners I think have determined or believe it was sabotage. I'm just I'm not at the point where I can tell you one way or the other. So when he was asked if we had the US had any involvement if it could be ruled out the official said we were absolutely not involved. Officials in Germany and the European Union have suspected the damage to two pipelines was sabotage. It was reported Monday evening as the lines were seen spewing natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Danish Defense Minister Martin Boskov met with NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg to discuss the damage to the pipelines yesterday. Both said it was sabotage, although they did not publicly say who could be responsible. There is reason to be concerned about the security situation in the Baltic Sea region, Bodskov said in a statement to media outlets. Russia has a big military presence in the Baltic Sea region. We expect them to continue their saber-rattling. Nobody, no country, no nation-state has yet claimed responsibility for what happened. No Western country has pointed the blame at Russia, although some have posted to social media that Moscow was behind it. I got to be honest with you, Putin's only big money that he has is by selling natural gas and oil that come out of Russia. I can't see him actually blowing up the pipelines that give him the majority of Russian revenue that comes in. All available information indicates those leaks are the result of a deliberate act. Joseph Burrell, the European Union's foreign policy chief, said in a statement, he continued, any deliberate disruption of European energy infrastructure is utterly inaccessible. will be met with a robust and unified response. Russian officials, aha, uh-huh. they said the FSB, which is their security service, is probing the incident as an act of international terrorism. And Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov told reporters that suggestions Russia would damage its own gas pipeline were predictably stupid and questioned why Moscow would damage its own infrastructure. Peskov also suggested, here we go, the U.S. government may have been involved. He, he, How did he come up with it? Let me tell you, we played these for you yesterday. He, Peskov, made note of Joe Biden's February remark that there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2 pipeline if Russia invaded Ukraine. Now, when it all came out yesterday, actually late the night before yesterday, that these pipelines had been blown up, I went and I dug up what Joe Biden had said about this, and he said, and this was regarding, this was during the run-up to the invasion of Ukraine, he said, if Russia invaded Ukraine, quote, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. So a guy named Bjorn Lund who is the head of the Swedish National Seismic Network, told NPR yesterday that it is very clear from the seismic record that these are blasts and were not of natural origin. He said these aren't earthquakes. They're not landslides underwater. In an interview with Swedish television, he said he has no doubt these were explosions. H.I. Sutton who's written on submarine warfare, said that where the alleged blast occurred, the water was at a relatively shallow depth. Divers or unmanned vehicles could have easily accessed it, he wrote. The leak is near the Danish island of Bornholm in approximately 70 meters of water, which would be about 250 feet. This would be divable. Two things do make it suspicious. It is just over 12 nautical miles from the island in international waters. The exclusive economic zone here is disputed. So it happened in international water, so it wasn't something that was against specifically or could be legally processed in some court as an attack on a nation because it's in international water. I got to be honest with you, there's no doubt in my mind It is sabotage. And even though our government has come out and said, oh, we had nothing to do with it, I got to tell you, it would not surprise me. It would if if we were involved in any way in this, it would be one of the stupidest things this administration has ever done, especially in the wake of the president saying that if Ukraine was invaded, That the United States would take action specifically against Nord Stream 2's pipeline. And then later on, on the same day that Joe Biden said that, a underling uh, authority in our State Department, a female, and I played this for yesterday, she said the exact same thing. She even said it worse. So those kind of things, when it comes out of the mouth of people that are so high up in our government, especially President of the United States, words have uh, responses. And so you can bet your bippy, Vladimir Putin sitting over there and in the back of his mind, he's thinking, Joe Biden did this. Joe Biden did this. So what what does that mean in the in the big scheme of things, Dan? Throughout history, folks. You look back at history, look at the stories that you actually learned when you were in school about world history. Wars were initiated most often because of things that governments did to another government's property, or they talked about invading. Most wars have always been about response to some big event that the other country did encroaching on that country's people, infrastructure, whatever. That's exactly what this looks like here. That's why I said early, hey, I'll be shocked if Vladimir Putin doesn't respond in some way against us. And if we had any kind of involvement, you can also bet your bippy that the FSB that's the equivalent of our CIA and FBI put together. And I got to be honest with you, they're better than our CIA and FBI put together. They already know the specifics of the responsibility of that. Watch for retaliation. If they haven't found out factually that another country did it, and that question mark stays up in the air about our involvement, I'll bet you they take some action against us. I'll bet you. Meanwhile, back home, we have a lot of other important things going on. There's a lot of things that are happening now regarding uh, bridging the rights of American people for both the First Amendment and the Second Amendment of the Constitution. First Amendment is this freedom of speech. Second is the right to own firearms. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, a Republican, proposed legislation yesterday that would bar payment processors from discriminating against gun retailers. Let me tell you what's going on here. To be politically correct, a bunch of credit card companies, big banks, they were pushed by the left and through an amazing amount of money that was put up by people like George Soros to lobby Congress to go after second amendment rights because of that Andy Biggs wants Congress to pass legislation that would stop these banks from doing what they're already doing, which is they're not allowing their gun retailers that do business with them, credit card business, regular banking business. If you sell firearms or ammunition, we're not going to let you charge on a credit card charge on a debit card, or deposit those checks in your company account. They're already doing that. The leading American payment processors, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, they've all moved to implement a new merchant category code called MCC, and that represents firearms retailers. Of course, this is incensed conservatives, as it should leading them to believe it would create a national registry of gun owners. So to combat the move, Biggs proposed legislation, the No Smart Pay for Any 2A Companies Act, that would bar the Administrator of General Services from awarding a contract under the Smart Pay program for payment processors that have an MCC for gun retailers. Credit card companies are now weaponizing their financial systems to erode the Second Amendment rights and privacies of Americans. This is Biggs in a statement. Companies such as Visa, he said, American Express and MasterCard are implementing firearm-specific codes that will flag suspicious purchases made by law-abiding gun owners. These actions raise significant concerns about how this information will be used against law-abiding Americans. This GSA SmartPay program, it was established in 1998, is the world's largest government charge card and commercial payment solutions program. Barring credit card agencies from the SmartPay program would amount to a significant hit to all of them, American Express, Visa, and MasterCard. And already, this legislation has strong backing from conservatives in the House, including Ralph Norman, Sarah, uh, South Carolina, Mary Miller, Illinois, Lauren Boebert, in Colorado, Bob Good, Virginia, Louis Gomer, Texas, Ben Klein, Virginia, Tom Tiffany, Wisconsin, Paul Gosar, Arizona, Mark Wayne Mullen, Oklahoma, Rob Whitman, Virginia, Andy Harris of Maryland, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, who is the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Other Republicans like Lance Gooden of Texas have fought back against the credit card companies already implemented and operating financial censorship by taking them directly to task in letters to their executives. In his letters to Visa and MasterCard, he noted that they decided back in 2018 not to set separate merchant codes because it would amount to a dangerous precedent. We don't believe Visa should be in the position of setting restrictions on the sale of lawful goods and services. That's what Visa wrote in 2018. It's apparent your decision to track and monitor Second Amendment enthusiasts is not based on any financial risk, but on appeasing misguided political pressure from gun control activists. That's what Gooden said to Visa American Express, and MasterCard. While it may be politically convenient for you to target the firearms industry at this time, this will undoubtedly lead to an irreversible politicization of our financial system, he added. Now that's going on right now. No question. And let me tell you what's going to happen. It will end up going to all the way to the Supreme Court. When they start filing lawsuits, lawsuits against these credit card companies, it'll go all the way to the Supreme Court. It will cost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for the litigants to get that for. And I can tell you this, all the Supreme Court has due is confirm the legal right for American citizens to own and bear arms under the laws of the federal government and states. And you can't infringe upon that. You just can't do it constitutionally. It is protected activity. Let me just give you a personal story about this. My son and I've told you we're, we're knife and gun enthusiasts. We collect them and it's a joyful thing. It's one of the few things that our son is 42 years old. Caleb is his name. He's an executive chef in Fort Worth. And uh, for years we would take family vacations to Gulf Shores, Alabama on the beach there, depending on if Gulf Shores or Destin, Florida was the one that was best recovered from their last hurricane, that's where we would go. But in Gulf Shores, there was a knife shop right next to the condo that we stayed in. And every year, Caleb and I would go to that knife shop through the years and they would sell automatic knives, switchblades is what it's commonly called. At that particular time, it couldn't be sold. Those couldn't be sold in Louisiana. So just kind of on a whim, I've always loved knives anyway. I started buying a couple of those every year. And without even thinking about it, I started a hobby for both of us. He picked up on it when he turned about 35. And so what he has done, he is very, very involved in his job. He has about 60 employees that work for him in, uh, in his job as executive chef but he is one of those people that he can have a hundred different things going at the same time and never miss a lick, never miss anything. So he started buying and getting into circles of people that buy and sell really expensive knives, not just automatic knives. And he and his wife have set up a website and they have started the process of through a Shopify account, setting up, selling online knives, And guns, and they're just getting started in it. Well, he immediately, after he opened and set up, I mean, did the online instruction to put a website together to sell knives and guns online through their Shopify account. You can't do it with Shopify. Their credit card company, and I forget which one it is, doesn't allow people to buy guns or knives. So it's out there. It's already happening. And I will say this, this too will end up going to the United Supreme Court before we get into this. It's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. But there's something else in the wind that is very controversial and facing uh, legal issues right now. What is it? Joe Biden's biggie. The one that he decided he was gonna, it was a card he was gonna play that would guarantee Democrats would win the midterms, hold the House, hold the Senate, and give him a jump start into repeating as president in 2024. What is that? Loan forgiveness of student debt. Most Americans, the majority of Americans, they look at this and shake their heads and say, this is stupid. You can't in any way justify doing that. Just arbitrarily picking and choosing which people have college loans out there and you're going to forgive it. That's what it's called, loan forgiveness. There is no such thing in the federal government because the federal government doesn't have a dollar that we don't give to them. They don't have the ability to forgive loans. It's not going to be a loan forgiveness It will be, if it holds, it will be the transfer of the obligation for repayment of those loans. It will be picked up by the American taxpayers. And so when this all came about, everybody was jumping around and hollering, if you had student loan debt, you were beside yourself with excitement. And then there are people like me three kids in college and me and my wife both college. We didn't get any loan forgiveness when our kids went to college and we went to college. If we had student loan debt, we had to pay it back and we paid it back gladly. We have several college degrees in our family. We paid dearly to get them. So how is it fair to us? How is it fair to somebody that lives down the street that may not have a dad or a mom that makes a bunch of money. They wanted to go to college, but they couldn't and they didn't want to take on that debt. So they decided when they finished high school, not to go to college. They just went ahead and entered the business world. Many of them are doing really well, but nobody lent them money to go to college. They didn't go to college. Why should they have to pay back those loans For people that went to college, maybe shouldn't have gone to college. Obviously didn't have the money to go to college, but they took out student loans. Maybe they finished school and they're in the workforce now. Really good jobs based upon the degrees they got when they went to college. Or they number among the millions who didn't finish college, decided ah not going to do it, couldn't do it, flunked out, whatever, for a multitude of reasons. And then the question is, why should we repay or take on the responsibility to repay their student loans? And we've been sitting here waiting. We told you this. In fact, Congressman Mike Johnson and I touched on it on Tuesday when he was on the show. That's a big deal that's out there. And there will be lawsuits because it is not going to be constitutional. Well, guess what? The first lawsuit has been filed. Amidst the prosperity-killing
4: progressive wave, there's a piece of good news tonight. A major stubbing of the foot by Team Biden that has infuriated voters. The first lawsuit is being filed against Joe Biden's illegal student loan cancellation. Now, this issue, by the way, refuses to go away. It's a gigantic mistake of unconstitutional executive overreach, making the middle class pay for rich people, making people that pay their loans finance those that did not. And, oh, by the way, the CBO just scored it as $420 billion price tag, which will provide plenty of spare cash for the loan delinquents to bid up prices and raise inflation. Oh, by the way, did I mention that the Bidens originally scored this as $240 billion? Oops. Just a couple of hundred billion phony doctoring to try to make people believe they're worried about budget deficits and inflation. But the progressive liberals never worry about budget deficits and inflation, and they always love to spend more government money. Well, wait a minute. Did I say government money? No, no, no. I meant taxpayer money. Think of that. The Committee for Responsible Federal Budget scored this loan cancellation fiasco at over $500 billion. And the penn Wharton economic model said it could be as high as a trillion dollars. Like I say, people are furious at this. Robert Cahaley of the highly respected Trafalgar Poll says that he hasn't seen any issue in a long time that motivates people as much as opposition to Biden's student loan forgiveness, and I quote, nothing touches it. So politically and financially, the Bidens have kind of been caught with their pants down, haven't they? Now, going back to the very good news, the first lawsuit has been filed against this illegal student loan move A chap named Frank Garrison, alongside the Pacific Legal Foundation, filed a case in U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Indiana. Mr. Garrison will be worse off because of the cancellation. He will face an immediate tax liability because of the automatic cancellation of a portion of his debt. Besides Indiana, there are four other states who will tax loan forgiveness. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Arkansas, and North Carolina. Now, Mr. Garrison is an enrollee in the public service loan forgiveness program that Congress created. The state of Indiana would let him off because of his public service in their state. But the Biden executive order automatically creates a taxable event where federal overrides state law. Moreover, because of the structure of this so-called emergency order, Garrison gets only a one-time benefit, not a future flow of benefits, that would have helped him under prior current law. So he's been injured. His financial future has been damaged. And that's what gives gives him standing to make this lawsuit. And because of the massive unpopularity of Biden's student loan cancellation, you can bet the courts are gonna move this lawsuit. And oh, by the way, Biden's executive order was blatantly unconstitutional in the first place. Why? Well, because this gigantic $420 billion, maybe $500 billion, maybe trillion dollars, certainly qualifies as a vast economic and politically significant executive action. But hang on. The recent Supreme Court decision of West Virginia versus EPA ruled that vast economically significant executive actions must, must have a clear congressional authorization. But Biden doesn't have one. He's calling this a COVID national emergency. And under that old law, which was originally designed for military veterans, he has no authority to kill off a trillion dollars worth of student loans while the rest of the country fumes about it. And now that I think about it, didn't President Biden just say COVID is over? The pandemic is over? So what happened to the national emergency? Heck, give us the trillion dollars back and give this garrison chap a medal and then hold your breath while we all wait for the cavalry
1: to finally come. You know, the worst part about that is that the government, Joe Biden, those that in his camp put this whole thing together and pushed it out there together, student loan forgiveness, they knew that it was unconstitutional, that that had to come through Congress if it happened at all. And Congress was set up, the government was set up to do stuff regarding spending tax dollars. It had to be done by the people's representatives. I'm sorry, President of the United States is a very powerful individual, whoever's in the Oval Office, but constitutionally, they don't have the authority to just arbitrarily start spending taxpayer dollars. That does happen in a lot of countries around the world, and it's everyday stuff. Those countries are authoritarian countries. You remember that word, the A word that they used again and again and again when Donald Trump was president? He didn't want to make things happen through the government. He wanted to do all of this stuff on his own. He wanted to have the arbitrary responsibility and permission to spend money willy-nilly ignoring constitutional requirements not one thing Donald Trump did or tried to do regarding anything legislative not one thing did he try to do in an authoritative fashion Joe Biden's doing it all the time he tries it all the time in this particular case let me just say this it's hard work to pay back money that you owe but I'm sorry, you borrowed it, you owe it. You need to pay it back. Well, I didn't, I didn't stay in college. Well, that was a decision that you made. Why should any other American be on the hook to pay the consequences for a decision that you made that they had no input into? The only kind of society on earth that this would be okay in is an authoritarian government society. So is that what Joe Biden's all about? Just throwing that out there for you to consider. Another goodie for you to consider, Dave Rubin. Like him a lot. He yesterday took a little piece of The View, the show The View, one of the most distasteful television shows for me. That's my personal opinion. And he illustrated with it the exact racism that is running rampant in the United States today, not among those MAGA people, but among those Democrats and leftists. And he illustrates it. He's up next. Long live the courageous.
0: The tenacious. The ones who push forward for you. And give back you don't Long live the greater good May stay. The helping hand Those who fall And get back up And long live the truck forever With the strength To overcome to our work and the commitment to outlast them all. RAM, proven to last.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe the fall season is a bonus. I mean, we're about to leave the month of September behind us and get into October. Fall stuff. I like the fall. In the South, we really don't have a fall or a spring. We typically have uh, a summer and a winter, and our winters are usually more like your falls and your springs in our neighboring states up in North Central part of the United States. Anyway. I don't like pumpkin latte. It doesn't matter any time of the year. I'm not going to like it. So going into the break, I mentioned to you Dave Rubin on his show. He uh, decided to give us an explanation explaining in today's media, especially these daytime talk shows, how people are so obviously divisive in what they say and how they portray certain things. And they begin to label and then, of course, weaponize anything that anybody says or does that's in political opposition to them in any way. Sonny Hostin and Anna Navarro, two of those hosts on The View, they got into it yesterday, and it was about racism. Listen in. And for Anna, um, one of
3: my issues has always been I don't understand how a Latina woman right, who but, even left from, from Nicaragua but, could be part of a of a of a party. Because when I became, when, when I came to this country,
0: when I came to this country, the Republican Party was the party that stood up against communism, and that is something that is ingrained in me yeah, in the same way that being a Catholic is anymore. ingrained in yeah. you. But listen, when Pope Benedict who was part and parcel of covering up the pedophilia scandal in the church. Yeah. Was Pope. You still stayed in the Catholic no, Church. As you know, because I there's actually,
3: more to it. I actually now. stopped going to church. But
4: wait, that I is actually, not listen, all of this has nothing to do with the question.
5: <laughs> Don't even ask what the question was. It doesn't even matter, honestly. But do you see what they do? Sunny Hostin, she is a racist and an idiot. I mean, she is truly the worst person on on network television. There's so many of them. But Sunny really is number one. And she's like racing away with it. You know what I mean? There used to be a horse race. Is it like, is it Stelter? Is it Don Lemon? Is it, you know, but Sunny is just bam. She's lapping these people in the most bigoted moron on on television. Um, To turn to a Latina woman and say, you are not in command of your mind. You, are, you must vote the way that I want you to vote. In and of itself is racist. If you think that all black people must vote a certain way, or all gay people must vote a certain way, and they must think the way you think they must think, you are the racist, you are the bigot. That is the summation of what the left has at the moment. And it's also interesting because uh, Ana Navarro, Uh, She I I don't know that she considers herself a Republican anymore. I mean, basically, she's a progressive. Right. So it's all lefties on that show. And then they've got Alison Farah, this fake conservative something. Right. But she her main gig, what got her popular and what put her on the view was that she worked for Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio, whose parents came from Cuba and Marco has been on the show and he's described the the scene growing up of his parents working in kitchens, praying that they could get a little bit of a better life from what they fled. And now their son is a freaking senator and former presidential candidate. They know what they fled. And it's interesting. She also says, well, I'm a Republican because Republicans were against communism. Democrats basically are communists at this point. I, You could argue, I don't wanna wanna make a big deal about it, but I think you could argue that Democrats are basically fascists at this point. I don't wanna play their game, but they love the combination of corporation and political power. Oh, you get jabbed because the government told the corporation to do it, right? That's anti-individual. All right, I I won't play their games to the extent that, that they play them, but watching them eat themselves alive is just spectacular.
1: There's no meaningful substance to those kind of things when you listen to those those kinds of back and forth on shows like the view i can't stand the view the only time i look at it is when i i go pull a soundbite or something out of a specific show about some specific issue like we did in this one but there's no substance there my dad was a pastor in south louisiana and then south texas and i always had issues with my dad that's That's another story for another day. But he was still my dad. And my dad, every once in a while, would drop a nugget of wisdom on me. And one of those that just stuck with me, when I was having problems as a kid, getting along with some of the friends, and friends in quotation marks, because they weren't really friends, but I guess I wanted them to be my friends. But in my interactions with them, I got lied to, misrepresented in a lot of ways. And when you're a young kid, I'm talking about eight, nine, 10, 11, those kind of things happen. Kids are kids. And kids, many much, most times will show that they're kids and their humanity quicker and more demonstratively than some adults who hide how they really feel about certain things. My dad told me these words Don't listen to what anybody says and just take it at face value to be what they say it is. He said, listen to what they do. Hmm. Don't listen to what they say and make decisions about them on what they say. Listen to what they do. What they do speaks much louder than what they say and boy in today's world was that a big very important thing to decide to make part of my lives and I've done that my entire life before we get away some George Soros news came out late yesterday one NGO that stands for non-governmental organization that has financial links to George Soros got a $41 million federal contract from Joe Biden's Department of Justice. Listen to this. The grant that they got is to help illegal aliens evade deportation from the U.S. The Acacia Center for Justice, that NGO with financial ties to Soros, scored that contract from Biden's DOJ To provide legal services to border crossers and illegal aliens after their release into the U.S. interior in the hopes of staying permanently. Now, the Acacia Center for Justice, which is a Washington, D.C. based nonprofit born from a partnership between the Vera Institute of Justice and Capital Area Immigrants' Rights. Got six legal services contracts from the DOJ that carried start dates of September 1. It's a multi million dollar contract that began just months after the under the radar nonprofit got a July 29th determination letter from the IRS, which stated the group's effective date of tax exemption was December 29th, 2021. That's a big deal. Why? Because with that, when they get that tax exemption basis, they can take money, get money that really is profit, but it won't be taxed. So the Soros-Link Vera Institute of Justice was recently awarded a $172 million contract from Biden's DOJ to do the same work, help illegal aliens evade deportation from the United States. In 2018, the Vera Institute of Justice was awarded $310 million by the Obama administration to help unaccompanied alien children avoid deportation. The latest estimates revealed that the Biden administration, from February 2021, a month after he took his oath of office, from that date to August of this year, has released at least million border crossers and illegal aliens into our communities, a foreign population larger than the resident populations of Wyoming, Vermont, Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Delaware, Rhode Island, and Montana all rolled into one. George Soros, big, big, big money. Speaking of big, big, big money. The U.S., we find out overnight, is giving an additional $1.1 billion in aid to Ukraine, funding for about 18 more advanced rocket systems and other weapons to counter drones that Russia has been using against Ukrainian troops. Now, what does that mean? What that means is we've given Ukraine, the United States, in a combination of cold, hard cash and military weapons weapons, And other parts of what countries need to fight in military battles, $60 billion. That's more than we've given to any other country when they were in some kind of war situation. $60 billion. Now, what could we do as Americans with an extra $60 billion right now? I can tell you. It would not be giving it to some other country. It would be using it for the people of our country. Hey guys, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Right here at TNN Live.